We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. The Phoenix Suns defeated the New Orleans Pelicans 110 to 99. Sam, how you feeling? Fuck yeah, man. One down, 15 to go. Let's let's go. NBA That's the way playoffs. to look at it, right? That that is the way to look at it. And I, I still struggle. I'm always like, just just get through this one series first. Uh, it's hard for me to think about the other. You can't 15. do that, dude. We know we know what the goal is. We know what the goal is here. That's true. That's true. One game at a time. But yeah, this one. I mean, all in all, the Suns led the entire game. But, you know, there were stretches where it got a little iffy and uh, Chris Paul essentially ended it. That's basically the story of the game, I'd say. What do you think? Yeah, well, look, the story of the first half was the defense. But what people are going to remember about this game, say, like next year, five years or however long from now, like if you go back and look at this game, this was a Chris Paul game. It was Chris Paul saving our asses in the early uh, fourth quarter, as he has done so many times before. Uh, once things, as you said, once things started to get a little bit scary there at the end of the third and 30 points, seven rebounds, 10 assists, three steals, one block, 12 of 16 shooting being Mm -hmm. the final line for Chris Paul, four for six from deep plus 20. The next best was Jay Crowder at plus 11. Chris Paul was a plus 20. I'm preaching to the choir with Suns fans, but fuck man, we got, we got to appreciate this guy while he's still here because he can still play. He'll be the first one to tell you that he could still play. Yeah. But there are definitely people in the NBA community who are not properly appreciating what he is capable of as a game manager. And in the fourth quarter tonight, he was perfect. It's just absolutely perfect. Yep. Yep, I agree. I mean, literally, I think he ended up being six for six or seven for seven or something like that in and the fourth quarter. It's it's also the fact that, you know, like I I went back and looked at a lot of guys' regular season stats and where the final stats ended up the other day before the playoffs started just because I was curious. And I think it's so interesting, Mike, that all this season, Chris Paul, his three-point percentage reverted this year down to, I think it was like 31.5%. Last year was up near 38 39%. 
and it was it was at least around league average for the past few years. This year went down to thirty two percent. We never talked about it throughout this season. You know, I like maybe you did at some point. I don't know if you can remember or not, mm. but like it I never remember, concerned me. I can't remember bringing it up once on a regular season podcast, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. That there's there's a certain level of confidence that you have if you can trust anything in this world. You know, it's death taxes and Chris Paul in the fourth quarter. But specifically that it wasn't just the elbow jumper this time and that he was able to abuse the mismatches, get the switches onto the guys he wanted, even if it was, say, Larry Nance Jr., you know, in that small ball lineup or whatever. That's the matchup he wanted. And to rise over the top of of guys like that with the three specifically, yeah, they're never never a worry, man. He's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Just fucking amazing. Yeah, it's really incredible. And we were talking about it in our end-of-season podcast that, it's just easy to take it for granted, Chris Paul, because he's just kind of always good. Like, there's never really bad games to really highlight just how good he can be at times, right? It's not like, you know, like Cam Johnson having that one 38-point game, and it stands out because you you know what Cameron Johnson has done the rest of the season. It's just Chris Paul does something amazing week after week after week after week, and you just expect it. You just really expect it, but coming into the playoffs... You know, it's no surprise. I don't know that he scored 30 points the the whole regular season. Like, I don't even remember what his season high was. But in this game, it came to him so easily. And I think, you know, being a home game, the way it started, right, the Suns just were so prepared on defense. And you could feel that, you know, Charles Barkley at halftime called it one of the best defensive performances in a half that he's seen in the NBA. And it's hard to argue that, of course, you know, it is a one versus eight seed, so it, it can get better against better teams. So that's really the thing that you have to hold on to. But I don't know, did the way that it played out, at least to start, how did you feel about it after we talked through the starters versus the starters at the very least? Did it feel like what we talked about? Did anything stand out or surprise you? <laughs> um, real quick, first of all, just to your point on Chris Paul a second ago, he did not score 30 points all season long. I just checked. His season high yeah. was 27. There so it is. literally, season high was twenty seven. Comes in on the first night of the playoffs. I had a drops feeling, there. insane. Yeah. Absolutely, I had a feeling, <laughs> and uh, it's not even surprising with him. Yeah, I, it's amazing. Um, with the defense, I think we covered it pretty well, don't you? Like, well, we didn't get. I, what, what do you want to say? Go for it. <laughs> Herb on on Chris Paul. We barely touched on that. That was but, kind but, of the big. But thing, we right? did. Hey, but we did touch on it. Remember. <laughs> That's true. It was buried in the back half of the episode. For anyone who listened to the preview, <laughs> it was buried in the back half of the episode. But I included it as one of my X factors. I said, hey, Mike, what do you think? What, you know, yeah. what if Willie learns from the Bucks and throws this guy on Chris Paul to try and pressure him and speed them up? And what would happen to the Suns offense then? And you said, well, Sam, obviously they've spent all season learning from that. They'll have they'll just have Jay Crowder and Mikhail Bridges take the ball up more often. And that's exactly what happened. Tonight, I mean, if I was an actual sicko, I'll probably assign David to do this if he's not already planning on doing it. <laughs> I would have counted the actual number of possessions where Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder uh, brought the ball up the floor and tallied it as an actual proportion, an actual right. percentage, like compared lot. compared to their regular season proportion or whatever. But it just felt like a lot. And bottom line is, no matter what the Pelicans did with their one great defender that they have in Herb Jones they were never able to speed the Suns up and they were never able to get the Suns out of their typical sets. Try hard as they might. Um, yeah. I mean, the only time that they had a great stretch was when Chris Paul was off the floor. Mikhail Bridges was off the floor. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton was off the floor. It, you know, and that's one of those things where 
And part of that reason was that campaign was one for six and just did not really look entirely like himself. We know he had a knee injury. He missed the last game of the season because of that. Not an injury, I should say, soreness, some issues with it. And that could be all it is. Um, but the, the bench advantage needs to really go in the Suns' favor. Obviously, they don't need it to win. It just happened. I would say that the bench of the of the Pelicans was arguably better than the bench of the Suns in this last game outside of Cameron Johnson. Uh, so they did find ways to attack when they were on the floor. A normal game by Cameron Payne would have ended it early, but then we wouldn't have had the, the Chris Paul right. master class. But I did find it interesting with, with Herb on Chris Paul, they put Brandon Ingram on Devin Booker and he really just kind of feasted on that matchup early. It's just, I think one of the things about Devin Booker that is often lost with people who uh, talk about him is the work that he does off the ball. And he just does a ton of work. In fact, I would say every player does a ton of work outside of Chris Paul off the ball on the suns, but Devin Booker running a guy around, multiple screens before catching the ball and just making their lives miserable before he even catches it. And then everyone on the Suns being in an advantage situation on offense, it's really remarkable. And you put Herb on Chris Paul, that allows Devin Booker to really do a lot of those things because Herb is the best at navigating screens right. on the Pelicans. And and I'm not I'm not, not sure what they're going to do beyond this, like after today, if they're going to keep that going or if they're going to try Herb on Devin Booker. I'm really interested I mean, to see what they try. They can put Herb on Booker instead, like we initially anticipated that they would, but it doesn't really, it's, you know, it's a band-aid, I, I guess, but they still only have this one good defender. They can't plug up all the holes that the Suns have for them. One guy, and you were quick to point this out, and I was quick to point this out as well, as I was scrolling my timeline through the game, um, I thought this could maybe be a Mikhail Bridges game when I initially mm -hmm. saw what the matchups were and that CJ McCollum was going to be on Mikhail Bridges. I thought, okay, th I could see this being a Mikhail Bridges 20-point game. Uh, and then as it turned out, he was the guy. I mean, he only he took nine shots, which for Mikhail Bridges isn't bad, but he never really took off offensively like I expected. But you can easily anticipate a universe where he does because CJ is not able to block his shot if he gets comfortable into that little 14 to 16 foot range. Um, Aiton was obviously fantastic tonight. The point being, yeah, the Pelicans, they can shift the matchups around, but they just don't have multiple defensive stoppers. Ingram is long, but he's not a defensive stopper like they need they need him to be. So finding mm -hmm. a sustainable strategy for them uh, to plug up the Suns offense, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I doesn't mean, I you know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like... The series isn't fucking over. It's not like you know well, a victory parade. It's just it's it's tough if you're willing well, to right now. Well, I think that's that's what we should talk about. I mean, what kind of adjustments do you think they could make? Because I think the biggest thing is Hayes might be out of the rotation entirely now. I just don't really know how you can continue playing him. The Suns just forcing him to run around and look lost so often was tough, and the fact that he was not able to capitalize on any well significantly I should say on offensive rebounds throughout the game in fact the best offensive rebound stretch that they had was when Larry Nance was on the floor it wasn't even Valanchunas it wasn't even well Jackson Hayes I, I mean which stretch are you referring to third quarter third when quarter. they made the run I mean I, I want to give credit to Jonas like 25 rebounds 13 of them offensive is yeah. really really hard to do like, I, I think there were a bunch of stretches for Jonas in this particular game where it might lead, like, it happened to coincide with the Pelicans were hemorrhaging points anyway, 
like they couldn't score offensively and they were hemorrhaging points defensively. And it kind of makes people like point towards Jonas's offensive rebounding stat and being like, see, those rebounds are empty numbers. I don't think those were empty numbers for him. I think anytime you can get 25 rebounds, 13 of them offensively, again, that's valuable. And as we go along in the series, I'll say this right now. I don't think this is going to be a sweep. I, I, based on the energy, the vibe I was getting for the Pelicans, the fight that they had in the third quarter right now, I do not think this is going to be a sweep. If they grab 25 offensive rebounds in another game and the Suns just, it's one of those nights where they can't hit a shot, then that math is going to be even. And yes, they are absolutely going to steal a game that way. But um, look, to, to your original point, Larry Nance was great too, uh, especially in that third quarter. And he's probably going to absorb all of Jackson Hayes' minutes going forward at a certain point. Um, Devontae Graham also was not inspiring. We talked at length about that in the preview. He only took two shots in 10 minutes, and the only reason he's out there is to heat up. If he can't heat up, you could cut him out of the rotation. Yeah, We could see the Pelicans go with a seven-man rotation see, this for, the is, rest of the, for the rest of the series. I don't know. This is I mean, why I think a sweep might still be on the table for the record. The fact It's on the table. It's on the table, but I, I just wouldn't expect it. I think That's what's all. tough about the situation that they find themselves in currently is that say they cut Jackson Hayes out of the rotation entirely. Then they cut Devonte Graham out of the rotation entirely. Then what Larry Nance jr. In the starting lineup, that could be the case. If Larry mm-hmm. Nance jr. Is in the starting lineup, they have essentially no good bench players coming off the bench. Maybe outside of Trey Murphy, the third who who's obviously their best shooter and can do a lot. But outside of that is somebody the Suns could game plan to target if yep. he starts getting significant amount of minutes, which he didn't really in this game, although he played, I mean, he played 25 minutes. He played relatively well, but if he starts becoming a major piece for the team, which I think he might after he's, this game, the Suns will be prepared for that. He's just not a high usage piece, no matter how many minutes he played. And this goes back to exactly the problem we were talking about in our preview as well. It's like you can cut down the rotation if you're the Pelicans, but CJ McCollum already played 43 minutes in this game. Brandon Ingram already played 39 minutes in this game. How much more can you really play them? Are you, you know, are you going to ride them for 46 minutes uh, yeah. once it gets down to the elimination games, 47 minutes? Are they going to come out at all? Um, you know, Jonas Valanciunas played uh, 31 minutes. This was a game where he didn't get into foul trouble. There could be games further along in the series where you're more successful at getting him into foul trouble. And if you can successfully manage that, then that's even better because that takes away yet another player uh, for them who's like even slightly a, a self-creator on offense. So, yeah, mm-hmm. no matter any way you slice it for the Pelicans, they're going to be giving large chunks of minutes to Herb Jones, uh, Trey Murphy, Larry Nance, Alvarado, like... More than half of their rotation is always going to be guys who just aren't inspiring offensive talents, and that's a problem. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it's interesting with Valanciunas. You can't, it appears that you can't really post him up on DeAndre Ayton right now. That's just not something that's going to happen. And Ayton what did a, a good job of staying attached to him. Ayton what, was incredible. What an inspiring performance. And, I mean, and that he means was possessed. With, with Valanciunas, that means he a lot of the work that he's going to do is on tips. And that's why he had 13 offensive rebounds, but you know, ended up being 7 for 21 overall in the game. That was due to the fight of the Suns trying to put him in as difficult of a position as possible in order to get those tips, but he's tall and he's long and he's strong. So he's going to get his arms up there and get on those boards. I think for the Suns, what they need to do better going forward is if Hayes is off the floor, which I I think that if it doesn't happen by game two to start, I think it will probably happen by game three to start. Then I think you have to put Valanciunas in more positions to attempt to move his feet on this team, and that means with Devin Booker using DeAndre in uh, as a screener and bringing Valanciunas up into the actions as much as possible. And then what you essentially have to do is is whatever advantage he brings them, you have to attempt to turn him into a liability. Because if you turn him into a liability, then you could potentially neutralize the right. offensive rebounding advantage. Exactly. Now. Yep. It, it almost it almost doesn't matter at this point because I feel like no matter what, there's a really good chance that soon Larry Nance will be getting more minutes than Valanciunas at center because he's just more built for the playoffs when it comes to defense. And it's tough to, for me to imagine that the offensive rebounding advantage that Valanciunas gives you is going to outweigh the ability to move your feet, which is what Larry Nance has. Uh, against this Suns team, I think they would rather have a guy that's capable of defending guys on the move. But what do you think, dude? I, ha- I you know I haven't had time to do the stat research here, but like, when's even the last time a team grabbed twenty five offensive rebounds in the playoffs and lost? Like that's yeah. that's insane. Twenty five to five. You're telling me that math isn't going to swing a game at some point? Yeah. You know? no, you absolutely. Here's could. the thing. I hear you. I totally hear you. And we talked about uh, Valanciunas's mobility foot mobility issues again in our preview which is why i keep saying i think we called it pretty well going into this there were a couple things we got wrong that we'll cover but i think we called it pretty well but 13 offensive rebounds i mean come on (laughs) like if he didn't shoot seven for 21 and again that's credit to deandre ayton but like a normal performance there is going 11 for 21 and that right there that's an eight point swing if you do something like that with you know roughly the same number of possessions suddenly the suns only win this game by theoretically three points instead of uh 11 or whatever they did you know like mm-hmm. i think it's it's going to be more felt than it was in this game at a certain point i don't think yeah. valanciunas is going to be a defensive stopper at any point in the series but i don't think he's getting played off the floor either yeah well what i think is going to be interesting going forward as well is how does cj try to figure out that matchup against mikhail bridges because the only time cj really got going is a stretch in the third where other guys regarding him and more specifically a stretch where he did get Chris Paul on a few possessions back to back to back and scored a few buckets. Uh, But Mikel was absolutely incredible in this game. Just, just everywhere on defense, fighting through screens, getting all over the place on in the passing lanes, closing out strong, 
not letting basically every single thing the Pelicans attempted to do, it was dirty, right? Nothing was clean. Everything was bumped a little bit. Everything was fighting through something else. Nothing was clean. And I think that's something that is is legitimately sustainable for Mikael Bridges. I think that's the main thing about who he is, is that he can do that game after game after game. And I'm yeah. really interested because there was a stretch, I think, in this game where Devin Booker was guarding CJ. And I think we saw right away why that was not going to work. It's, it's CJ can get his shot off against Devin Booker because Booker does not have the length to contest on his step backs. And right. that means CJ could just take a step back and he's unbothered by Booker in the way that he's really bothered by Mikael Bridges. So I think they're going to keep that something that we, we talked about before. I think they're going to keep that going. And I'm just interested to see what they try to do on the Pelicans end yep. to, to fight through that. Cause it's just, it's hard to picture. That's the thing I mentioned earlier that at least I'll say I was wrong about. I anticipated, and I also posted a poll to Twitter, and 60% of the people on the poll said they would put Mikhail Bridges on Brandon Ingram to start. So those people were wrong, and I was wrong uh, about what Monty actually decided to do. And look, just based on the results here, I think, you know, well played Monty. (laughs) No no surprise there. Um, Yeah, with Book, it's, it's the combination of CJ being able to take the step back and shoot over him and also just when he goes around screens he can get that extra level of separation just a half step or a half second quicker which you know we've talked about in the past Um, but I do want to give credit not just to Mikhail Bridges but really just the Suns wing rotation down the line and that includes Booker uh, but it also includes Jay Crowder it also includes Cam Johnson and, and Torrey Craig at just a, a fantastic performance all around in terms of their help defense. Um, mm. but a, a lot of it was based on the fact of they understood. They they just know their personnel so well. That's, I guess, what kind of keeps surprising me about this team. They know their personnel. That's always step one. And with the Pelicans, the shot profile here, they only attempted 23 threes. Yeah. Out of a total Which of nine. They've attempted less as the season has gone along. So that is it is less than they normally attempt, but... They but do like to shoot mid-range. They only attempted 23 threes out of a total of 95 shots. That's a very low percentage for a modern... It's it's not really a modern team at all, if you just look at that sh- shot profile in terms of what it is. The Suns already don't take a ton of threes. The Suns tonight took uh, 28 threes out of 78 shots. That's not a ton either. But, you know, it's it's more than 23 out of 95. That's a really, really low proportion. <laughs> 95 shots is absurd, by the way. And there's an obvious <laughs> lack of respect. Yeah, no, 95 shots is crazy. But there's an obvious lack of respect. Jackson Hayes, the 11 minutes that he played on the floor, I mean, there were possessions where he was in the. they tried to put him in the corner, and Devin Booker was not having it. He completely yeah. pre-rotated all the way the hell out of the way yeah. so that he could be up as an extra help defender, ready in position to guard against the CJ uh, the CJ McCollum-led pick-and-roll action, whatever it was, paying no attention to Jackson Hayes in the corner whatsoever. Herb Jones made one three tonight, but he only attempted two. They're not concerned about him. Najee Marshall can't shoot. He didn't even attempt a three tonight. You know, there's, like I said in the preview, again, there aren't shooters on this team. So that allows every help defender on the Suns, be it Jay Crowder, be it Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, go all the way down the line to just take liberties with erasing the space, getting into the space and taking it away from C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram uh, when they come around those pick and rolls in the first place. And they did a fantastic job with that um, tonight just in general. Uh, You know, the other thing is if there's an action leading a Pelicans player up to the 
to the top of the key like an off-ball action, then whoever that help defender is for the Suns feels so much more comfortable jumping to the mm-hmm. ball. So mm-hmm. like if they create the initial, uh, you know, let's say Devin Booker is the one who's getting screened and it's an off-ball action and I'm just throwing random players out now, but let's say CJ is coming to the top of the key and they create that initial separation, there's going to be a guy on the wing and his responsibility becomes you have to jump into the ball. It's a little bit more than a stunt, where you're just really like stunting and you're not actually, you don't actually have that intention of going out and defending it, but it's less aggressive than an actual full on commit to a, to a switch. But you have, it's still your responsibility. You have to jump out there and then recover back to your man. And when you're not worried about the talent level of these shot makers, these shooters in the first place, you have so much more confidence uh, in your ability as a, as an overall scheme, as an overall system to accomplish stuff like that. And they just, didn't allow the the Pelicans to create any penetration on plays like that because the next yeah. man over who had to make the rotation was always there. They were always in the right place, and uh, it was it was a well oiled machine. At the end of the day, there was a one play where Jose Alvarado was on the left wing, and Devin Booker was on the right side of the paint, <laughs> so completely on the other side, just ignoring him completely, knowing that if they swing it to him, they're not confident in that shot. Which, by the way, they didn't. Because they're not confident in it. They're just not even passing it to those guys in those scenarios because they're trying to find better shots and the defense is collapsing in on those shots. A couple things. I want to talk about the wings. Jay Crowder, by the way, his stat line, 1.1 assist, one rebound. Second in plus minus on the team. Guaranteed Uh, for for 20 points next game. (laughs) That's how it works (laughs) with him usually. Jay Jay always averages like 10 or 11 points. And the way he gets there is... One game of one, then another game of 20, and something like that. So, Mikael Bridges, 0 for 3 from 3. Jay Crowder, 0 for 4 from 3. Torrey Craig, 0 for 1 from 3. Cam Johnson, 1 for 2 from 3. Cameron Payne, 0 for 3 from 3. Outside of Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, who hit a 3 in this game, and Chris Paul, the rest of those guys were 1 for 13 from the 3-point line in this game. Hence now, the reason it got scary at a certain point. Well, I think if you're looking at this from a Pelicans perspective or even a Suns perspective, say Valanciunas does a little better. Say CJ does better. Ingram can do better. All three of those guys can play better offensively. But the Suns missed a lot of open shots in this game as well. For sure. Especially in that third quarter when they caught up. The Suns were not thwarted in their ability to get open shots. They would run stack. Cam Johnson gets an open shot, misses. Next play, come down, uh, run a flare screen for Mikhail Bridges, gets an open three in the corner, misses. You know, it was just like that first stretch of the game where it was like they were getting clean looks, but the Pelicans were still able to catch up with a combination of the offensive rebounding and a little bit of bad shooting luck uh, from the Suns on the other end. Yeah, and by catch up, I think they cut it to within six. The Suns ended up winning by like 11 or something yeah, like but that. When they had Chris six, Paul run, it was like 18. <laughs> six is a game, though. You, you, yeah. were swe- oh, yeah. you were sweating. You didn't think they would lose, but you were sweating a little bit. At uh, the I, was, I think I was literally point. sweating. Yeah, don't <laughs> lie to me. The That's what I'm saying. Don't lie <laughs> 100%, to me. 100%. Because no. I, know, I, I know everyone should have faith in Chris Paul at this point. Everyone should have faith this team's 48-0, like leading into the fourth quarter. I get it. I get it. But when that <laughs> lead was cut down to six, don't tell me. For a second, that you weren't sweating a little bit, you were thinking. There about, was, you were thinking about how much would it suck to blow this lead after a, such an amazing first half. There was a point in the regular season where we came on the podcast, and it was in like the doldrums of the regular season before the Chris Paul injury, 
And I remember telling you, I feel like it's Groundhog Day. I feel like every single time we watch the Suns, it's the same. They go on a run. They go way ahead. A team cuts it close, and then they destroy them in the fourth quarter. Mm. That's exactly what happened in this game. And it is sort of a microcosm of the regular season. They did that over and over and over and over again in the regular season. And that's why, as players, they could be confident going into that fourth quarter, understanding that they have an advantage in that whatever scenario that they were in at that point, they had been in over and over and over again. For whatever reason, when they do have big leads on teams, they often let teams back into it a little bit and then slam the door shut in the fourth quarter. So yes, while I was sweating, I did have the regular season sort of playing in the back of my mind, understanding that I've seen this one before. (laughs) And, you know, for the Pelicans... It's going to be tough in game two. Obviously, another game at home. Game two, I believe, is what, Tuesday? I don't yes. have the schedule up. So, Tuesday. Tuesday. Not a lot of time uh, for them. They played a lot recently against in the play-in for two games. And then, of course, this game. And then they're probably going to shorten their rotation again uh, in that game two. And it's going to be interesting. Is there anything else as far as adjustments that you could think of on either end of that? Uh, um, this whether it be the Suns or the Pelicans. No, can I give you an opportunity to do a, a hot take? Sure. To give your hot take because I want to hear it. Okay. Um, we have to get better at marketing this pod in some ways, dude. Because we jump, <laughs> we jump into the we <laughs> we jump into the, like the nitty gritty X's and O's too quick immediately. Yeah. And we don't we don't even consider to think of the stuff that would actually get the most plays. Uh, let's talk about the the Herb Jones hit on DeAndre Ayton because I think <laughs> yeah. that's what everyone is talking about on ironically on Twitter right now. I'm huh. enjoying I'm enjoying the win. What here's what I'll say about it. I'm just thankful because it, it looked bad and it looked like it could have been much worse. Right. Yeah, I was so, afraid like his jaw was like dislocated or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or I, I, well, my he... first two thoughts, my first two thoughts was, oh, he's holding his jaw. His is his jaw dislocated, and then the other one, oh, he's kind of looks dizzy. Like, is his brain soup now? Like, what happened? Because until we saw the replay, we didn't know exactly where he got hit. Do you yeah. have a take uh, on on Herb Jones? You said he's uh, on the list. Let me I, say, I, let me <laughs> let me say two things. One, I like Herb Jones. I actually like him a lot. I think he's a really I'm great laughing. player. I'm laughing because the first tweet I saw from you as soon as the play happened, or the first tweet I saw from anyone, I just well, that's checked my timeline. <laughs> attempted murder is what you said. <laughs> For the record, the attempted murder tweet was about Mikael Bridges on Jonas Valanciunas. Oh. When he, when he just absolutely oh. tried. Because it, like, it was like 30 seconds later. It was like 30 seconds later, and <laughs> my, entire, really funny. my entire feed was like, oh, that! <laughs> did you see that hit from Herb on Aiden? And then I just see Mike V. Hill attempted murder. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. But If people if people think that that's about Herb, that's actually really funny. And um, I will not correct them because I'm okay with them, assuming uh, irrationality. But let me say, the other tweet I had about that was Herb's on the list uh, because he jumped into that. Now, let me explain the list here. When you're on the list, it's not it's not a judgment of your intention. I I don't put people on the list because I'm 100% certain they did whatever they did on purpose. Although sometimes the, they do, but just not Sometimes always. they do. Terrence Mann you know, is on the list. Terrence Mann's um, on the list. For you know, two smalling if a Lundberg, he's absolutely on the list. <laughs> absolutely. It's irrational. It's about it's about the ability to add stakes to a game to make it feel more fun. I don't hate Herb Jones. He's on the list. That means that it has more stakes. It's not rational. It's actually, in most ways, it's meant to be completely 
irrational. So I saw some Pelicans fans already getting mad about that. And look, the reality is it makes the game more fun for me. And that's almost 100%. enough by itself. <laughs> that's all I really need. Makes, I don't yep. judge his intention. I'm, I'm not saying he did it on purpose or by accident. I am saying he jumped into him because he did. That's exactly what happened. All you have to do is watch it to see that he jumped into him. But he's on the list. Dorian Finney-Smith is on the list. James yep. Johnson is on the oh, list. Oh, he's absolutely on the list. Yep. Compazzo is on oh, the list. Oh, my God. Compazzo's on the list. Yep. Patrick Beverly headlines. It's, it's, it, it might as well yeah. be called the Patrick Beverly list <laughs> because yeah. Patrick Beverly headlines the list for one, tripping Chris Paul and making him fall on his wrist, which is likely where he hurt his wrist for the finals, pushing Chris Paul at the end of the series, breaking Devin Booker's nose. A lot of these reasons are why it's a great thing that the Suns are not playing the, the Timberwolves in the first round because who knows what Patrick Beverly would try to pull on the team that eliminated him last year. Uh, but yes, the list is not a judgment of intention for any of those who are getting mad. I think there actually is a good chance that some Pelicans fans may listen to this podcast. I think we had a few already for our last one. Um, but for the record, I still like Herb Jones and I don't, so think do he, I. I don't necessarily think he did it on purpose, but it's not in any way a judgment of whether or not he did or didn't. Yeah, it's a it's a shame. Schmidt gave us that shout out, that that vouch from uh, <laughs> <I> already, <laughs> from Pelicans Twitter. So I already gained a bunch of Pelicans followers over the past <laughs> yeah. twenty four hours. I'm trying not to piss them off as soon as possible. But if you're a Pelicans fan listening to this, it's like, look, your boy's good. I like him. He's got mm -hmm. a good case for an all defensive team. But now he has to get cooked. Now I'm sorry. That's just how it is. <laughs> he's on the he's on the list. And if, and if he does get cooked in any way, we're going to blow it up and exaggerate it as much as possible because he's on the list. And that's how it works. That's just how it works. And it, I trust me, if you embrace it, it's a lot more fun than if you fight it. In fact, make your own list. I'm sure Chris Paul and Jay Crowder will be on it by the end of the series. 100%. I can almost guarantee it uh, based on all the other series that we've seen so far. Um, any concern with campaign before we go one for six? Didn't play very uh, well in this game. I've seen campaign have games like this before if we're being honest there's always slight underlying concern with campaign you know what i mean but like what if the finishing is just never what it once was when it was at its peak but i'm not there yet i've seen him have bad games before any predictions on the next game whether it be schematically or even if you want to predict the the score at the end or who's going to win feel free to do that as well <sighs> willie I'm trying to decide what end of the spectrum I think exactly he's at with. Do you think he'd pull the plug on Hayes by game two? You think he really would? I think I'd be surprised think if Larry will. Nance. I'd be surprised if Larry Nance Jr. played less than 28 minutes. He played 19 in this game. Hayes played 11. Yeah, Hayes you know? played 11. Man, that's really bad. I mean, I think Hayes is going to start though. I think he is for game I just, two. I don't know. He might not. <laughs> I think there's a he chance might he might not. not. But I get why there's you're saying that. If it's like if he's like Monty, which if you know Monty likes to stick with things for at least a little bit longer than some other coaches, just to see what works, so that it, there is a chance there. So that is an interesting one. I think uh, what I could see is Ingram having a big game in this one. You know, it is still Jay Crowder chasing him around. Jay Crowder, I think, did an excellent job as a team. I think the Suns did an excellent job. More than anything, I think they will continue to try and force these guys to be playmakers and pass to shooters who don't want to shoot. And I think that's a great game plan against this team. And I'd be surprised if they change anything going forward for the Suns. Uh, beyond just make your shots, guys, who are catching it when you're open. Mikael Bridges, you know, maybe Cam Cameron Johnson gets a little more minutes because he was hitting. Uh, but beyond that, I think that's the main thing for the Suns. They can play a little, be a little bit better offensively, 
but can stick with the majority of the defensive game plan, I'd say. Only other thing I'll say, because if you're the Suns, you're in the driver's seat right now, and schematically, I don't really think anything's going to change. If you want to neutralize that advantage that the Pelicans have a little bit, I mentioned before the fact that Valanciunas only had two fouls in 31 minutes. If you're DeAndre Ayton, you could be a little bit more uh, inventive. You could be a little bit more vocal uh, when you're trying to box him out for those defensive boards and he gives you a little shove in the back, which which he was doing mm-hmm. all night and he just, gets, he just gets away with it. You could sell it. You could you could squawk a little bit. And uh, I think that's one of those veteran tricks that Aiton in year four or, or whatever he's in. Yeah, year four. Uh, still hasn't, you know, he's grown so much as a defensive communicator, but he still hasn't learned the veteran bag of tricks. And that's where mm-hmm. he could get a little bit better. Get, get Valanciunas with a couple of early over-the-back fouls and it's a different game. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great point. And I think even Devin Booker and Chris Paul could put a little pressure on him to get some fouls from him as well. But yeah, that's all I got. Do you have anything else before we go? No, just um, a really, really enjoyable way to kick off the postseason here. I thought it was a ton of fun. Yeah, we'll be back after every game. So continue listening. See you we'll in be here 48 every hours. Game. Yeah, we haven't quite figured out what we're going to do about Patreon during the playoffs. We're going to have to have a conversation about what the plan is there. But at the very yeah. least... We'll be doing game three on playback on Friday, so feel free to join us. Is it Friday? It's that Friday. sounds right. Okay, Friday. Friday. So feel free to join us for that one because I think that'll be really fun. That's Patreon only, but we appreciate you guys. Go Suns, and we'll be back very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.